Hey, it's Peter here with my FSHD. Oh, Saturday morning again. Yeah, it's a beautiful day here in the high Sierra Nevada, south of Reno, here out in uh, the, the mountains above Carson City. And, um, you know, we got a lot to talk about. It's uh, going to be an interesting weekend, too. It's, uh, you know, we got back from grabbing a biopsy over in, uh, in Davis, UC Davis over in Sacramento. Holy cow. You know, from our, from our place, we go south south of lake tahoe take take route 50 around around there yeah uh, you know it's actually well it's beautiful it's kind of freaky it's uh you go through echo summit and there was some really bad um uh, wildfire destruction you just see chimneys up there so it's still a beautiful right but boy a lot of destruction but also holy cow seven dollar gas oh my goodness anyway <laughs> it's as if you're not hurting enough you have your you know, place burned down but they got you for seven dollars but you know unless unless they're lying to us this is evidently a good thing right things are working so we're told so yay seven dollar gas <laughs> yippee anyway boy this is this is things working holy cow what's coming anyway so uh but you know it's nice weather for travel safe trip and um so so there you go we're uh uh getting our cell culture collection together for um, making our xenograft model mice and really appreciate those of y'all who have uh, participated in that i actually appreciate all of you that participate in everything you know this is such a an active community for research and 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 actually doing something about uh you know fshd so whether your family or it's yourself your kids whatever man you guys are the best and 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 I appreciate that. I mean, that actually really means a lot to us. And that uh, you, you know you're not just sitting back waiting for someone to take care of you. You guys are, are actively involved, not just getting educated, but but doing everything you can in your power uh, to to cure this thing. And we're doing everything in our power. So it's pretty pretty good uh, pretty good um, agreement we got between us, I guess. <laughs> anyway, interesting weekend. Uh, yeah, thankfully, um, holy cow, it's. Uh, Premier League's last day is tomorrow, and and mercifully, I, my gunners are going to be um, put out of put out of their misery and uh, finish out of the top four again. But you know, shout out to my friend Wolf over there in Frankfurt. Congrats on winning the Europa League. Um, kind of ironic, kind of fitting that a uh, Arsenal former Arsenal guy missed the key penalty. But uh, congrats. Hope you guys are having living it up there in Frankfurt. Um, so what's uh, what's going on here? Well, you know, on Wednesday we talked small molecules, and you know, <laughs> we were kind of actually we were, we were in a rush on Wednesday. Uh, you know, we, like I said, we got we got day and night jobs, and and we just squeeze this podcast in whenever we can. And um, I didn't have a chance to listen to it before I posted it, which is always scary. So I'm actually a little worried about. It. But in thinking about it, I was like, you know. We never finished it. We like, did we ever cover? You know, we never like summed it up. So, you know, um, I uh, grabbed Chris yesterday and said, hey, you know, um, figuratively, by the way, um, <laughs> they wanted to have me arrested and uh, said, hey, let's, uh, can we just get, do 10 minutes and finish it up? So that's what we're going to have going on first. And she's going to just wrap up the small molecule section. And, and that's cool. And, uh, but, you know, to lead in, and, and that's how we're going to start out. And then I got some, so yeah, there's a little bit in the news out there and some some uh, uh, questions that have been brought to my attention that I'll talk about. But, you know, it's uh, as a, as you know, it's like, you know, I'm a child of the 80s, she's a child of the 90s. So I went uh, ultra 90s. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, don't worry, that's, uh, <laughs> I had a focus group come up with that, ultra 90s. And uh, we're going you know, Fat Boy Slim with the the '90s big beat genre. Um, I got to I got to bring this in just because it, for, for for her because you know I got nothing nothing but praise for for um, you know the the brains that uh, that she brings to this uh, to this endeavor. Um, and let me tell you something, this you guys in FSHD your field, you all are awfully lucky that this is um, you got someone this smart working on the disease. So anyway, a little bit of praise, and then we'll get to our our, our um, Follow up.
So I'm back with uh, Carice, our favorite uh, guest, uh, well, co-host. Co-host, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, I think, uh, as I mentioned, we do kind of, and one of the things about, you know, we talk FSHG all the time here at Lab, and sometimes we forget, well, when we get carried away, I'll, you know, tangents, a little ADD with my science, (laughs) but also, you know, sometimes we forget what we talked about and what we didn't talk about. Yeah, you know, do. Yeah. So suddenly realize it's like, we never wrapped up the the small molecule thing. We got kind of got going. Well, we had we had I had a bunch of Zoom meetings I had to do, and you had to run in the lab do some TC, right? Yeah. And so yeah, it's cool. Anyway, so it was like, so what's the take home? So we're going to do briefly a, a summary on the on the small molecule. First off, you know, just you know, we sometimes fall into the the Yelp review. <laughs> stage <laughs> well it's a lot easier to point out all Nitpick. the things that are wrong yeah, all, all the things, things that are right. hard and and you know it's just a lot of times people don't tell you about all the things that are right and good going on yeah and so it may come across overly negative but you know, just, i guess i want to start out by saying i'll give my opinion you give your opinion and we'll see if you Only agree with different. me well i just say you can just say ditto it's right you can say it's right um well i can give you maybe you give your opinion first smart guy well, I think we wouldn't be working what? on smart molecules, or uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. we would not be working on small molecules if we didn't believe that you know this is a great avenue to pursue. I mean, they're the gold standard, yeah, really. Yeah, they, I mean, they're they're, a... they're easy to take. You know, this is what everyone wants to take. You know, and uh, we have no idea how much they're going to cost. It could be you know a little bit. It could be a lot. Um, but what know, dictates cost? There's a lot of things that take, not that's necessarily right. what it costs to make them and produce. Yeah, them. Like, and then you know, costs tend to go down over time. You know, as with the market and whatnot but uh yeah i mean so, you know I mean, from a scientific point of view the challenges are addressable and you know we're we're working hard on on making I mean, uh, better to drugs to more specific right? targets yeah and there's a lot of companies working on it yeah. again you know a lot there's a lot of research in pharma that goes on in the space that nobody they, they don't have to advertise and talk about it. yeah really out there no, i feel like it's our job to kind of point out things that uh people can't get from other places, you know, but the, the, at the end of the day, yeah, this is, this is a great avenue. And yeah, this is the one science, of the two just things the that we're doing, that, right? I, I guess what it's always in my head, talking to patients, I just got off, you know, just talking to some, you know, today, you know, why is it taking so long or what's the deal? You know, yeah. and it's just sort of, you know, even some to the point of saying, well, you don't want to cure it because you can say, oh, trust me, we've got better things to do. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so we don't want There's 8,000 rare diseases. That's if you want right. To be we want to cure that. In fact, you know, nothing could be better. Actually, from a scientific standpoint, you want to talk about a feather in your cap, you know, or whatever, whether it's financial, whether it's pride or. or oh, yeah. Curing one disease would pave the way to curing all the rest. And that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Curing a disease. There's so many reasons. Apart from that, for us, it's very personal, quite honestly. Yeah. It's not of any of these other things. And, you know, I remember. 
I mean, people just don't believe that sometimes, but you know, you know, why, you know, you know, you doing this for the money, for the fame, for the, and say, well, I got a million, a million, I got a lot of friends that have FSHD. We, this was the deal we made. And you know, what, what a great, better way to spend your career. Yeah. But this is why it's important for us to kind of get across all the complexities and the difficulties and the obstacles, because if people don't know that, then they wonder, yeah, what's taking so long. Well, and, and also the, the, the issue, you know, we mention oftentimes the, the, if you want to get there fast, go the long way. And there's just really some wisdom to that. Yeah, absolutely. Because a shortcut, and that's the thing, you know, yeah, we're in a hurry. Yeah, time is ticking, you're getting weaker. But, you know, getting the right thing at the end is the most important thing. Yeah. Something that actually is the effective. The best target, most specific target, and the best drug Yeah, for we're it. not dragging our feet. But, boy, shortcuts are dangerous. Yeah, they're, they're dangerous. You, know, you cut through the do, park and you yeah. get mugged. Man. Not only do they take longer, they set the whole field back. And that's the other, well, especially that, for a rare disease, well, like gene therapy that did that. Well, that wasn't really a shortcut. Well, maybe it's kind of a shortcut. Took, it actually they was a shortcut. Sloppy. Yeah. 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 Some, well. some things were cut and, uh, yeah. And it really set the field back yeah. at least 10 so, years. So we've learned those lessons. Yeah. And so, so for anyway, so I, I think I want, first want to start out and say, you know what? I think, uh, I think the future is really bright for small molecules for us, oh, yeah, quite honestly. And the idea of taking a few pills and not having the risk of uh, some other thing. And, and again, some people, you know, insurance cost is going to be, but anyway, so, but we didn't really do the advantages. That, you know, the point was we were kind of going through a review, which actually I think is going to be online pretty soon. Oh, good. You <laughs> <laughs> get the the read for the for people who like to well, read like me instead of listening. Well, you can do the audio book, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe we'll just have you read it. To why, why don't you read it? I think I think people like your voice hectoring at them while they mow the lawn. <laughs> It's only because Paul Harvey is, is Paul gone. Harvey. I remember Paul Harvey. My because dad, I'm, I'm, I'm my a, dad loved Paul Harvey. We listened well, to so it every day Thank on the way to school. Relating me to your dad. Well, I we are about the that. same <laughs> same generation. I loved Paul Harvey. Oh well, you were 11 when <laughs> you loved Paul Harvey. Wow, you were a very advanced uh, elementary school. We were student. an AM radio household, <laughs> and it was. Um, and now the rest of the story. Yeah. The rest of the story was always great. He should be saying Peter Jones. Good day. <laughs> I'm just saying that I like the, I'm a rest of the story kind of guy. Yeah. You kind of figure that out. Okay. So we're going back to the beginning is what you're saying. The things we were supposed to we're say. We're off track now. Let's just go yesterday. back to, why don't you just tell us about some of, some of small molecules for the nutshell. Get right, for the nutshell. For All that. right. What's so great about small molecules? What's great? What's not great? And what tell me about it. I'm going right. to shut up now and let you just take over. Oh. Go ahead. You go. Well, in a nutshell, uh, Small molecules really are the gold standard for, for the treatment of, of most disorders. Um, they're a very well-established modality. Uh, they're easier and cheaper to synthesize compared to the alternatives, which are biologics, which we talked a little bit about. Um, they're generally more accessible to patients. You know, they're easy to ship yeah, around. They tend to be the yeah, yeah, yeah. shelf-stable. They're generally taken orally, which is a, a lot better than other ways you can take things. Well, you don't have to. I mean, everybody's got <laughs> yeah, their yeah. own thing. You yeah. can take them any way you want. <laughs> You adjust them. Okay. <laughs> They're uh, easily taken up by cells. I think we talked about this a little bit. You know, it's, uh, it's really important that they cross cell uh, membranes very easily. Um, they are stable uh, and they're mostly immunogenic. Not immunogenic, although, although <laughs> you can't have allergies. You can't have allergies, but, but it's be, rare. But in general, you know, in general, it's small for the molecules. General population. Yeah, they're not they're not very risky. They're not going to kill you. They're they're probably going to have side effects. Hopefully, minor ones. You know, we all know that because we've that's all always taken drugs at some I point. mean, there's always a, a dosing type. That's why you don't want to dose yourself. Yes. People always think, oh, just take more. Uh, well, actually, the do dose that. is actually pretty Dose is important. But in. people have this idea that, uh, oh, I'm feeling fine, so I'll take less. Or, well, I'm not feeling very good, so I'll take more. You, you can't do either of those things. Dose dose is critical. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's a well-established modality. Inherently, it's, it's pretty safe. So, yeah, huge advantages. So if you can get one, if you can make one. Right. You know, that it's great. And I think you can. There's no reason conceptually why you couldn't. Um, you know, it's just it's just that the, the key is that the, the standard path for doing library screening, going from a huge library uh, to chemical libraries to your drug is kind of a well-trodden path. Right. And it just doesn't work great for FSH. Right, which we, we covered. Just, you know, all that, that's, what, that's all we were trying to say. It's just yeah. that... You know, you, you, it's just uh, the it's very doable, different. but you got to think about it. And you have to plan it carefully right. and do the right. And something we didn't mention, and maybe this will get into your, eh, I don't know if it's a disadvantage, but it's an issue is what if the best drug isn't in the library? You are, you, yeah, are, exactly. you actually are. You're limited by what's in your library. 10 million sounds yeah, like a lot. Known compounds, you know. Yeah, but those are kind of, oftentimes they're derivatives of much fewer number of right, classes right, of compounds. Right. And ten of, ten, typically people only have made 
what you might need. It's not like people just make stuff for the hell of it. Right. Well, Different varieties of the same apple. <laughs> yeah, <which is laughs> but yeah. but so so it is possible to so you are limited by your library. Right. And you have to have the but but you know but so make a better library but which we're not going to get into it, but that's our approach has been to say let's not be limited by the library yeah. that's our let's academic actually approach. think of likely candidates and well we've taken a, yeah. a reverse approach yep. well, we'll talk about that but but there's all there's a lot of ways to i'd say skin a cat but you don't skin cats anymore, <laughs> anymore. <laughs> not since we were even, kids i don't even know where that came from but People all i can think done of, it it's horrible all i can think of far side i remember um gary larson saying that all the hate mail he gets are, oh you know, yeah babies and cats those man. are yeah you gotta and, stay away from babies and cats well and horses roasting over the grill remember that one yeah, but I don't know if you got it. You know, I mean, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> like the horse, where the horse doctor, he's just got the shot. Oh yeah, so, sorry, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> horse hospitals. Horse hospitals. Yes, yeah. we don't go to. Anytime anyway, we're feeling sorry for ourselves. The point, the point, there are a lot of ways to to get, get something it done, done. Get it right. done, and so you know, and the important thing is not you know, so you know, trying to get it done. So. Yeah. All right. So what are the disadvantages? So go on. Yeah. So, so disadvantages, you know, the main one is, is side effects, you know, and we all know about uh, the side effects of drugs, anything from restless leg syndrome to suicidal thoughts. I mean, you know, they can be very trivial and they can be very serious. Um, so why are there side effects? Well, you know, drugs um, cause what we can consider both off-target and on-target toxicity. So you know, what do I mean by that? Um, so an off target would be a drug interacting with something that it's not supposed to interact with, screwing up some endogenous cellular function. Okay, what's an on target toxicity? Well, that's when the drug does what it's supposed to do. It's fine. It finds its correct target, but it doesn't interfere with a specific function of the target that you want in, in it to interfere with. It does other things. And, and, it, and that's because, you know, proteins are the main effectors of, of the cell. They're the workhorses of the cell. And no protein does just one thing. So, you know, let's suppose Dux4 did something really important, you know, in muscle cells, but it also caused toxicity. How would you interfere with Dux4, the toxic effect, without also interfering with the good effects? This isn't the case, but this is what you have to imagine, that proteins do multiple things. You just want to interfere with the pathogenic function of that protein. And so that's, that would be considered on-target toxicity. And that's where the selection of the target is key. You want to pick a target that isn't really important for a lot of things in the cell, you know? Right. Well, so that's actually, in some ways, good news for FSHD. Right. Because if we go back to how we got into this is epigenetics. And FSHD is an epigenetic disease. And the D4Z4 repeat, which is the DNA at the FSHD locus, is very unusual in the genome. Right. And it is regulated in somewhat of a unique way. Right. And there are regulators of Dux4 that are not global regulators of gene expression. Right. So you have the opportunity to, mess to target Dux4 yeah. without screwing up the whole cell. There's exactly. the opportunity. Right. Right. And this is actually good news because a lot of other genes or mutations might not have the same issue. So, yeah. so you have some kind of, it's where the, the weirdness or the cool, the uniqueness of FSHD really plays in your favor. Right. 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 We so have the, that, the opportunity. Yeah. Like the opportunity to drugs that to, to say, hey, we're just, I mean, because I'll give you an example. So we talk about DNA methylation all the time. There is DNA, DNMT1, DNA methyltransferase 1. It does the whole genome. DNMT3A is the de novo methylase that does the whole genome. DNMT1 is the maintenance methylator. But there's a special DNA enzyme, DNMT3B, and it actually is just a new, whole new enzyme that just does the D4Z4 and very few other spots. It just shows you that that... It, it regulates the cell has developed an entirely kind of independent system right. to regulate the D4Z4 for whatever reason. Yeah, which is Who great cares? if you need a selective drug target. Or SMCHD1, which is the FSHD2 gene. It's an epigenetic regulator that only functions on like 60 genes right. out of your 60,000 genes. Again, special regulation for the D4Z4. And for whatever reason, this is uniquely regulated. So these drug targets. Maybe they're going to be specific. You yeah. won't have some of these. And you problems. won't have some of these problems. You just got to find the right drug. Right. <laughs> so get on it. Yeah. Well, you know, we are. <laughs> How's that coming? <laughs> Where are I've we today? I've been told that I spend too much time doing podcasts. <laughs> oh, it's only you. two hours a week. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I don't start planning. If I start planning, <laughs> God, that's all. Then we wouldn't stick to the plan anyway. That's right. We would. All right. Keep going. You got your notes. Yeah, she has well, notes. Uh, I don't have notes. You know, she's a straight A student. Got <laughs> I got to have it all in my head. I'm not so good at ad living the way you are, you know, got to have things. Yeah. Know what I'm going to say. So, um, okay. So, so say it. Come on. well, um, 
I think we covered some of this stuff yesterday. I know. Well, that's fine. Okay. Okay. So what's your take? Okay. Yeah. We want to kind of write, you know, we do a shorter Saturday. So yeah, um, that's, that's pretty much it. All right. So what's your take? Sum it up. Sum it all. Sum up small molecules. <laughs> sum up, okay. So this is kind of our part three of our three-part series. You did CRISPR. Right. You did antisense. You got small molecule. Let us have it. What's the deal? Well, uh, you know, in a nutshell, we can go with, uh, we got two, two choices when it comes to small molecules. You can pursue, uh, you know, FDA approved drugs, try to repurpose them for FSHD, or we can pursue these other, you know, epigenetic regulators, which um, much less is known about. You're starting more from scratch. You've got to find a target. Then you've got to do all the difficult experiments to really, uh, you know, screen for, for appropriate drugs. Um, two paths, one's faster, one's slower. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> we'll see which one. Uh, winds up being the first to clinic, and and well, we another thing to, to point clinic, out, first to market. Sorry, first to market, and uh, the best, the first thing to market may not always be the best, which is why it's rarely the best. It's rarely the best, um, but it does provide a certain standard, you know, to try to try to improve upon. So that's why we always say, you know, no matter how good things look in the lab, no matter how good they look, even in animal models, or even um, sometimes, or even sometimes one, in clinical two, trials, one. yeah, you know, things can be very promising. And a lot of things fail, fail a in lot phase of, three. A lot of things fail in phase three. And we, you know, it's never a good idea to abandon alternative avenues of therapy in the wake of even a treatment that appears to be uh, especially promising. So yeah, we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, small molecules, you know, well worth pursuing. And well, a lot of labs are, a lot of companies are, you know. And, you know, I should mention, I should, you know, we, we did kind of say, you know, I remember, I'm trying to remember what we, we said the other day. Um, you know, screening is often a big pharma type of thing. But actually, again, intelligent screening. And so, you know, some academic labs have done this. You know, Stephen Tapscott and Franz Vedra, mm -hmm. Um, collaborated and they basically said, Hey, let's target, you know, let's find some, use just epigenetic drugs and target. And they actually found some good, oddly enough, they found P38 inhibition they about did. a week after Fulcrum found P38 inhibition. But, um, you know, it's a beta adrenergic, yeah. beta, beta inhibitors and beta, beta 2 adrenergic. Yeah, so, yeah, right. you know, you actually don't have to screen. You know, you know an academic lab is going to take more of a targeted, targeted approach. approach. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you know, you know, Tab Scott. I mean, these these the the epigenetics guy. As far as I'm concerned, I saw the epigenetics, but he's the oh yeah, he's the a great of, muscle. He's the king of epigenetics for muscle FSHD, gene regulation and, and yeah. important muscle pathways. Yeah, yeah. So you know, smart people looking at the same sort of thing, right? Looking at different druggable pathways, understanding the biology. That's right. where the basic science and the biology. So there are these targeted approaches going on. We have our own. I'm sure other other academic and then the pharma companies are doing the large scale screening, right? And they, so it's all kind of being done. Yeah. So I think we're going to get there. Yeah. I actually think we're going to get there. Oh, I yeah. think what's going to happen is you're going to have small molecules for FSHD uh, that are going to stop the destruction. Um, some people, you know, we don't know what insurance is going to cover and, you know, cost is an issue. Yep. Gene therapy may be a cure, actually, but not, maybe insurance doesn't cover it. Maybe it's not for everybody. Accessibility around the world, FSHD is everywhere. We want to be able to cure FSHD everywhere. So, yeah, absolutely. So that's what I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us again yeah, and kind thanks of fixing everything up. And, uh, and we'll uh, see you next yeah. time. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, that kind of brings that rounds up uh, Wednesday's episode on small molecules. If you don't know what we're talking about, well, go back and check out Wednesday. We just, yeah, we just kind of suddenly ran out of time. Um, well, you just put us here. We just talk all the time. We have a great time. Uh, we have a great time in lab. It's just, uh, but talking, um, this is now you get to see, don't invite us to dinner because holy cow, you can see what a conversation is like. We just go on and on. Um, but I think we finally rounded out the small molecule talk. And, uh, well, hopefully, you know, let me know if you have any questions. I don't know if it's clear or not. Never, never really know if it's clear or not, but we're, you know, we're trying. We're, we're hopefully we're, you know, we made the deal that, you know, when we first started this, if we can, uh, you know, provide, you know, some information or help just, uh, one or two people that would, uh, that's good enough, you know, it's worthwhile doing. So, so right, hopefully we're doing it anyway. So, oh, you know, and, and the other thing I just got to throw out, you know, you know, Chris is, you know, you, she doesn't, well, she doesn't say, you know, all the time, like I do. Um, you can just tell, right. She was a state champion, state of Hawaii, state champion, uh, in debate, original or tour, you know, I, honestly, my school didn't even have debate. So I don't even know what the categories are. Uh, <laughs> we, we <laughs> get in trouble if I tell you what we had at our school. Um, we, we were not a college prep school. Uh, but, um, but you can tell us she speaks for, I mean, just, yeah, this just ain't fair, right? That someone good at everything, 
Um, but thank God she's good at science, good at and and on our team and uh, in FSHD. And man, we uh, we are the field is better off um, having her as part of it. So, all right, moving on. So we had uh, so. You know, I started the Saturday things. I thought, eh, you know, well, it gives me a chance just to talk. You know, surely there will be papers to be being published um, uh, coming out. And, uh, and uh, surely you can't be serious. Um, and uh, it turns out there's just not a lot published. And I just never really noticed on a week-to-week basis. There's not a whole I may see a lot of papers, but not ones I think maybe other people, the general audience would be that interested in. And it, it, it turns out to be somewhat few and far between. Um, but this week there is one that kind of grabbed my attention and it is funny what kind of grabs my attention i don't know it just i just thought it was kind of cool um it's not your typical thing it's in the journal disability and rehabilitation it's called development and validation of the patient reported facial function scale for fascioscapular humeral muscular dystrophy by uh, carly ann Mew and uh from uh, basil um, van england's uh, group in uh in the netherlands and you know, the reason I kind of like, I like this, I thought this was kind of interesting is, you know, it's a big problem that we have in clinical trials is how to know if things are working. How do you know the drug is working? We, In my opinion, we know you can measure Dux4. I think we've shown experimentally you can measure Dux4, and if Dux4 changes, are going to happen. But you need biopsy, and it just sucks, right? I mean, it sucks for everybody. Taking them is expensive, um, and, you know, you, you don't want to give up muscle. So we're looking for other other metrics for clinical trial sex. You know, they're going to try this reachable workspace, um, which, you know, we'll, we'll see. Sometimes they just get up and go, walking, these sorts of things. A lot of these things, there's so much variability in the FSHG patient population and uh, and in, in everything, an age of onset and your slope of decline, whether you plateau or you're or your rate of decline and, and which muscles are going. Some of y'all are fine on upper body and more affected down low, and others of you are more affected upper body. And, then, you know, face is the same thing. Not everybody gets facial problems, right, facial weakness, uh, and, uh, and but some do. And, and I always feel like the, the facial part is really underappreciated. And, you know, when I'm introducing FSHD to new audiences, one of the things I always talk about, because, you know, people, people just think it's all about, uh, muscle weakness and walking and stuff. And, and <clears throat> I think there's a really big mental part of FSHD, a mental health part, actually, uh, and a lot of it around the face. I mean, there's some due to maybe social isolation, but um, even when you're with people, the, the facial communication and such. And I always tell the story. I had a way back when I had um, a patient tell me, an FSHD dear, tell me about how, what a, how miserable they were growing up but not because they were miserable, but they were miserable because they spent all their time in therapy and their parents put them in therapy for depression and, and they weren't depressed and they said, they, they, they just couldn't freaking smile. You know, <laughs> it's just like, you know, but just nobody knew. It's like, Oh, my kid is just won't smile. You know, it's like, and you know, it's like, you go to, you know, the school, you know, picture day and they tell you smile big for the camera. Come on, smile, smile. I'm going to tell you to smile. It's like when you go to these patient meetings, they say, everybody raise your hand. If you, <laughs> if you listen to our podcast or whatever, <laughs> it's just like, you know, come on some, you know, you're doing the best you can. Right. And it just ain't good enough. And, and so there's just these, these other effects. And I, I think with maybe now the, non-FSHD population can have some appreciation as well. We've been wearing masks for two and a half years and, or whatever. And, uh, you realize that, boy, you got no idea. You see somebody and you walk past. I mean, I normally, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't say hi to people. I never said hi. I'm not a very friendly person. Um, but yeah, you know, I kind of, yeah, I'll smile or something like that. Or just, you know, whatever. I acknowledge. And then I just realized that when I do that with my mask on, I mean, no one knows I'm doing it. Right. And they're just like, dude, Right. <laughs> he just kind of blew by me. It's like, no, you know, I gave you the, the smile, flashed you the pearly whites. And uh, it just doesn't matter. Well, just think about that with, you know, an FSHD, that's what's going on, right? You, the, the amount of, you, you just lose this ability to do facial communication. And I think there's just, you know, I, I think it's well documented. There's a ton of nonverbal facial communication that people do. And in, when you have FSHD, when you have facial weakness, you just don't do it. I remember talking to Sue Perez. He's Dan Perez's, um, a wife, you know, Dan's the, the one of the names you got to know. We haven't gotten back, but, you know, one of the names you need to know is Dan Perez. He founded the uh, FSH Society out of his kitchen. And uh, but his wife, Sue, was telling me that, you know, when they first started dating, 
you know, I mean, Dan's a funny guy. He really is. He's a funny guy. He tells great jokes. He always has great stories. We're going to have him on the podcast or whatever. And, uh, you know, and she, she's like, she, when they first started, she didn't know if he was joking because you couldn't, you couldn't smile. You know, he just, you know, he'd say something and you just kind of like look and you say, is he, is he serious? Is he joking? What, what's going on? You know, and it's just kind of, cause it was, it was hard. Um, it just takes a while to kind of figure out that, uh, and, and, and it affects things, right? And so I thought, boy, you know, it's interesting. So what uh, what Carlyn uh, has done is they're looking at facial weakness and facial function as, put, you know, uh, something that could be a patient-reported outcome uh, that could be used maybe in clinical trials to see, you know, are you getting uh, improvement with whatever therapy or whatever there is? And so that's the purpose is they're trying to this is uh this is they're not measuring anything they're not going in and, and you know tweaking your face or anything for weakness it's just really it's a questionnaire that's been very carefully put together um to fit a, a rash model and so it's meaning that you know you're gonna be um you know the types of questions that are going to give you reproducible measurements okay uh or, or data that that'll be meaningful Okay, so they came up with um, a 25-item uh, questionnaire. <laughs> well, I'll give you the terms of it. A unidimensional, linear-weighted questionnaire. I wish that meant more to me, but I think it means that it's good. And uh, and the important thing is that you know, they had a, a really fantastic test-retest reliability. Uh, so, you know, it's just actually fantastic. So really good um, validity scores. And uh, essentially, you know, the, the conclusion was that they, they were basically successful, that they've, uh, they've you know, have this questionnaire. It's in Dutch, but they have this questionnaire that is um, clinometrically, well, there's one word for me, clinometrically sound patient-reported outcome measure for on the functional disabilities relating to facial weakness and FSHD. Okay, and so so what are these questions? So it's a questionnaire. You know, is this going to be useful? I mean, it can't hurt, right? So, um, you know, so what did they come up with, the final one? These are questions like, uh, do you suffer from dry eyes or from the feeling of grains of sand in your eyes? Okay, and then you say often, sometimes, or never. Okay, do your eyelids get fatigued during the day? Often, sometimes, never. You know, do you choke while eating? Do you experience difficulty swallowing drinks? Does your face get fatigued during eating? Do you experience difficulty biting off foods? You know, is your speech more slurred due to facial weakness? Does your face get fatigued during laughing? You know, does your facial weakness reduce your self-confidence? Uh, do you feel like you are misunderstood due to changed facial expressions? You know, and then there's another class. And they're going to just go with a with difficulty and without difficulty. You know, are you able to wink? Are you able to whistle? Are you able to blow up a balloon? You know, so these are questions, you know. And so, and, and then results is it turned out this is very reproducible. And these are patient-reported outcomes, you know, that, that you can do. And so, you know, it's just an interesting sort of metric that might be usable uh, in, in clinical trials. And, and, and it's kind of surprising you know, people had kind of not really done much with, with facial. And again, not everybody's got facial weakness, but not everybody's got any of the weakness, right? Some of you got foot drops, some don't. So, so you, you know, what, what we need is reliable metrics, maybe different ones for different groups of people, reachable workspace. Uh, well, you know, for some people that's useless, right? Other people, it's also useless because maybe if you're too weak or too, you know, you're strong, but what if your lower body's weak or vice versa? You know, you have to get up and go, time to get up and go. You have these walk tests and all these things, you know, there's different people, there's so much variability. So having more things, maybe that's the right thing to do is then to stratify people, stratify participants into certain, you know, outcome measures, you know, and so what were their implications? For, you know, they said facial weakness and its functional consequences, um, are often underappreciated clinical feature of FSHD, both in symptomatic treatment and in research. I think that's absolutely true. Um, they can. Uh, this study provides a linear-weighted, clinometrically sound, patient-reported outcome measure on the functional disabilities relating to facial weakness. And the goal is to enable the development and testing of therapeutic symptomatic interventions for facial weakness. Right, Clinical outcome measures are, are required. And so, well, you know, how are you going to figure out if the therapeutic is helping your face? Well, you have to know how to kind of measure the face. And I think actually patient-reported outcomes like this might be real. Anyway, I just thought it was kind of a cool thing. I just love, you know, actually, you know, I got to tell you, um, Baziel, 
over there and and uh i think well, i always say you know i i can't you know how i am bad i am with names and stuff and stuff he's in the netherlands we're gonna go go with that um nijmegen i, I can never get these names right but anyways in the netherlands um basil and and his gang they're neurologists very clinical I'm just top top group in the world. They're just fantastic. They just do amazing work, great work. Um, MRI, patient reported outcomes, just just fantastic. Actually, the, the whole team there is fantastic. And Carly Ann, um, you know, she's an MD PhD and and does does fantastic work. So uh, you know, this is they're gonna you know this will grow from here. I think they said this was in Dutch, and everyone that participated was Dutch. But you know, maybe it'll go global, and we'll see. Anyway, it's a good starting point. I thought it was really cool. Maybe you guys may, again, something we don't talk a whole lot about is the, you know, facial uh, implications of FSHD and, uh, and, and such. All right. So what was the other? Oh yeah. There was this other thing I saw totally unrelated, but related. And I'm actually, it's unrelated. And my question was, why is this not related? All right. So I get this thing called muscular dystrophy news today. Now, I have no idea where it comes from or how I got it, but it, it comes to my email box. And there's this thing that says, Elemipratide. Elemipratide. You think I practice, but no, it says, Elemipratide for Duchenne muscular dystrophy wins FDA orphan drug designation. I had never heard of this one. I'm, I'm familiar with all the antisense. Everyone's doing antisense and, and DMD and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'll check it out. I hate these names, man. I don't know. You know, you know, my lab's working on CRISPR. I would just call you know something cool like CRISPR. I mean, I don't know. I guess we got to come up with an unpronounceable, idiotic name that nobody can figure out what it means, and and that'll be our, our drug name when we come out with it. But this one is called Elamipratide, and what is it? So it turns out it actually is not exon skipping or anything like that. It's um, it's a peptide, which is uh, you know just a little few amino acids strung together that um, bind a molecule called cardiolipin, okay? And cardiolipin is part of your mitochondria, and your mitochondria are your energy producers in your cells, right? And this gets back to the nutrition talk that we were talking about. One of the things that what what um, Dr. Tarnopolsky is trying to do with antioxidants is improve mitochondrial health, right? The idea being that you have mitochondrial dysfunction, mitochondrial problems, that this is heart hurting muscle health. And if you can improve muscle health, at least you'll be in the best muscle shape um, when therapies come. You know, you're not solving the root cause of the disease in FSHD, but you know, you can actually, you can, you can, the muscle you have can be as healthy as you can get it by helping the mitochondria. Well, so here's this thing. This is this little, this drug that, what does it do? Well, it says it boosts the activity of mitochondria and cell energy. Okay, and so why is what's it got to do with DMD? Well, what they're trying to it's a it's a combinatorial therapy. They want to basically take this this and add it to um to the Duchenne exon skipping trial. So exon skipping for Duchenne um is gonna give you you know that would treat the root cause of the disease and make you think functional dystrophin, and they want to add this in to boost your your mitochondria as a as a double whammy for good. I'm like, well, why the hell aren't we doing this for FSHD? No, even without a treatment, but with a treatment, I don't care. I mean, do it with with those mock but do it with it. I'm just thinking, boy, this this or any neuromuscular disease. I guess we'll see if how it works for DMD, but it just strikes me this is the kind of thing where you know it's a um, it's not gene therapy. It's a small molecule. <laughs> it's a small molecule peptide, and um, it's going to improve mitochondrial function. And if it's good enough for DMD, what the hell, man? It should be good enough for FSHD. So this is, um, again, you know, you, you start, you can't just run a ton of clinical trials, but where is this? Who, who actually makes this thing, man? Well, that is not a good PDF. So it's, it's a stealth bioscience. Is that it? Uh, it's not scrolling. Um, I believe it says, um, yeah, stealth. I think that's what they call Anyway, so, uh, you know, and this came out of... Um, yeah, it's gone through. They've had a, a FDA's Division of Cardiology and Nephrology um, pre-IND meeting. And uh, 
Yes, this is, yeah, stealth. It's good. That's what it's good. Anyway, so it's just like, you know, this is, again, this is a case of something in a totally no, a different neuromuscular disease that could be applicable to FSHD, right? You know, on a certain level, everybody in the neuromuscular disease space, all 90 whatever diseases, you know, we, we're all in it together on some aspects, whether it's delivery for gene therapy and learning, whether it's learning about how to do better exon skipping or antisense technology, or boosting up the mitochondria and getting some more energy, getting uh, antioxidants, getting better muscle health. And ultimately, once all these diseases are cured, including FSHD, building muscle back, right? So you're not alone. And we're all, then there's, you know, there's the uniqueness of FSHD. Those are the different, those are the therapies that are going to treat the root cause of the disease. That's what's going to be unique to FSHD. But beyond that, in the bigger picture, uh, there's a ton of stuff that's out there that's uh, going to be applicable to FSHD in combinatorial therapy or just in uh, in teaching us to do our FSHD-specific therapies better, right? So the field's always moving. Somebody's always doing something. Not a lot being published recently in FSHD, but there's good stuff going on um, in the whole field. So that's, anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. I always I always screen the literature and see what's going on. You know, on a, on a, on a separate going, going the other direction, you know, it was also announced uh, this week, um, the, I think it was the five big gene therapy companies in Duchenne kind of noticed that they all have the same problem in their gene therapy. And the problem in their gene therapy trials, which all have different gene therapies, is they're getting cardiotoxicity. Okay, the gene therapy. And in Duchenne, you need a little bit of expression of your therapy in the heart because the heart's affected. And so it's turning out this actually, they have, that's a problem for gene therapy in Duchenne. And DMD is that, um, well, they're getting some cardiac, well, again, cardiac problems uh, from the from the treatment. Okay, well, FSHD, good news. We don't need to express gene therapy in the heart because your heart's fine. Your heart's perfectly fine, so you don't need cardiac muscle. You don't need to have a, a you don't need to fix the cardiac muscle because your cardiac muscle, you know, the, the FSHD mutation's there, but it doesn't matter. Dux4 is not expressed, and you're cool. So, you know, that here's a case of good news to say, you know, just because we're hearing some bad news out of some other trials, uh, well, okay. And that, so, well, you say, well, wait a minute, though. But if you understand the science behind it, you might, you might click in, you can tell how well you understand what's going on by like, your reaction to that, because you might say, but wait a minute, it's the gun, we're still going to express it in the heart anyway, because we're using the same gene therapy cassettes. So we're still going to have the problem. It's like, nope. No, you're not. You know why? Because Carice, to the rescue, she developed a special FSHD-specific gene therapy cassette. We published it um, last year in Molecular Therapy, something, um, Clinical Methods and Clinical Development is a journal, and her, her paper on her most recent CRISPR inhibition. And one of the things in that is she removed the elements that drive um, the gene expression in the heart. Okay. And she did that for other reasons, actually. She did that uh, because you needed to fit the whole CRISPR machine into um, the single system, into one vector. So we had to make it as small as you can. So the idea there was, well, we don't need expression of our CRISPR in the heart because in FSHD, your heart's fine. So she removed the element in the way that only she could. And that's a whole story unto itself because it turns out that the whole gene therapy neuromuscular disease field has been trying to figure out how to do this. And she just looked at it and said, eh, I'm going to do this. And it really, you know, she, you know, she's too humble. That's really true. She looked at it, removed, removed the elements um, that would drive it in the heart and, and Takako tested it in the mice. And it's like, well, what do you know? You get really high expression of gene therapy, um, CRISPR gene therapy and skeletal muscle and no expression in the heart. So cool for FSHD. Well, guess what? That's really cool now for these other diseases. So we're going to return the favor. And there you go. Now we've actually already, we've already solved the problem that the DMD and the, and the other uh, neuromuscular gene therapy diseases are having in that we can reduce cardiac. Now you can say, wait a minute, but if, if, uh, if, if they need expression in the heart and your therapy doesn't express in the heart, well, that's not so great either, right? Well, you know, okay, this is why we kind of spitball things on the office and talk about, talk to, talk, you know, all the time. That's exactly right. So what did she do? She gave a little bit of heart expression, dialed it up a little bit in the heart. Um, not a lot, just a little bit. Um, so now, so now we don't know if the, how it's going to be, but we have a, a, a version two where you get 
great expression in skeletal muscle. That's where you're affected in FSHD and a little bit in the heart. So that's going to be good for our friends in the other neuromuscular disease indications. So, you know, we're all working together. You know, these other diseases are helping us with technology and, and teaching us how to do, well, you know, we're, we're helping them back. And so, you know, it's, it's great. And it's just funny how these things work. I mean, it's, you know, it goes back and it just, it's, it's, it's actually remarkable. I mean, I was thinking, you know, when, you know, when the, when it was really tragic, when those kids in the MTM trial, gene therapy trial died, that same week is when, um, Sharif came out with my OAV. It's like huge problem in gene therapy. Doses are too high. Oh, my OAV, you can reduce the dose 50 fold. Okay, problem solved. Okay, <laughs> you know, it's just like we just keep saying, here you go, cardiotoxicity. Oh, the cardiotoxicity, big problem in gene therapy trial. Oh, there you go. Guess what? Problem solved. Um, you know, it's just kind of working out that way. But again, you know, it's just it's because there's a lot of people around the world working on it. That's what it comes down to. Um, it may not seem like it, man, there's a huge worldwide effort and everybody's benefiting from this tech, this boom in technology and, uh, you know, on FSHD, you know what? We we were we were at the back of the pack for a long time, but man, you know, we've been creeping up. And uh, Alexander showed it was, you know, she got us going on Ducks Four. Um, you know, Tapscott Lab, Silver Vandermeer, um, Robbie Twill, those guys really kept, you know, they really ramped it up. Um, brought it home that uh, it's uh, Ducks Four really is is that, you know, Richard Lammers with his classic science paper that is absolutely without question is Ducks Four and FSHD. And and now now therapeutic development's flying, and honestly, you know we're we're pretty close to the front of the pack in neuromuscular disease, and uh, especially in 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 some of these other technologies. Anyway, so that's what we got today. Uh, finished kind of early. I don't know. You know, there's ah yeah, there's no games today. Anyway, I'm gonna um, go root for Norwich. <laughs> Actually, you know, Gunners don't deserve to be in Champions League. Screw them. Um, but you know, hope you guys have a good weekend. Um, we got a pair of ducks living in the pond, which is a really bad idea. If you're a duck, I'm not sure what to do with these guys. You know, on one hand, I love birds. See, I digress, but I love birds. Talk to you a lot, big bird watcher. This pair of ducks took up residence in our pond and you say, well, duh, it's a pond. What's the bit ways? Well, the pond was designed so that ducks weren't supposed to be able to get in with the way the rocks and the trees are done because, well, I don't know, it's just didn't want ducks i guess um well these guys like helicoptered in <laughs> they did they like hovered right on down i guess i guess canadian geese can't get in anyway you say okay well what's the big deal well they they're there they're, we can't get rid of them and not that i don't really want to get rid of them but the concern is that it looks like they're getting ready to nest and lay some eggs which sounds great but i gotta tell you we got the reason we don't have fish in our pond is the bears eat all the fish and, you know, we, we get quail and you know what? The bobcats eat the quail like popcorn. Okay. And then, you know what? They're a little bit bigger. The ducks are a little bit bigger. Well, let me tell you, the mountain lions, well, they like the deer. And they're around. So we got lions, tigers, and bears. And I'm just really worried for these ducks. I don't know what I'm going to do. Not to mention the fact that we're like two miles from the next big lake. So this is just a little pond, a little garden pond. These ducks, I don't know what's going to happen, man. They're going to hatch, and uh, I don't know. I just have to load them all in the car and drive them to a washout lake, I guess, um, if they last that long. But anyway, I don't know what to do. But in the meantime, eh, I guess we'll enjoy them. Anyway, I'm trying to discourage them, but they seem to have made up their mind that that's where they're going. You know, go figure. Anyway, all right, before I let you all go, you know, I almost forgot. I almost forgot, but you know what? I got my 90s. Um, in the, in the tonic crease, we got our 90s Fat Boy Slim. You know, I used to play this for back at BBRI. I introduced everybody back when Celine was in from France, our student from France. And it was just the four of us, um, my great uh, um, postdoc Jessica. And we were just jamming in the night. You know, <laughs> BBRI, I mean, it was a pretty lame place. Um, we'd have the whole place to ourselves pretty much every evening. And, man, we'd crank up Fat Boy Slim, have a good old time. You know, to check out the praise video, it's one of the best videos actually ever. It's, you know, check it out on YouTube. Well, it, it, it's a, it, I, I just love it. It's a fun video, a bunch of, bunch of people dancing in front of the, the movie theater. But I'm going to leave you with Fat Boy Slim, um, Weapon of Choice, which is really amazing video. Christopher Walken dancing on the table, dancing through the hotel, through the whole thing, his own dance moves. 
Um, absolutely uh, amazing video, great song. You know, it's just kind of 90s, um, 90s big beat. So, you know, there's not a lot to the song. But, uh, you know, you can go with this. You can go with that. You can go with us. You know what? I hope you guys are, are with us. We really appreciate it. All right, all right. I hope you. I love that. I don't. Know. I get this. I, I just love that. Just you, but you know what? You're gonna like it more if you can visualize Christopher Walken in your head. How often do you say that? But it's really true, and not the Pulp Fiction telling the story of how he stored the watch. Think about him dancing through the hotel. Check out the video on YouTube. Anyway, Jagger, take us on home and uh, peace out, home slice. It's one of Cruz's favorite sayings. Oh, 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 oh